Welcome to Slime House, a podcast rated PG for crude humor, outrageous hijinks, and mild language. I'm Nelson. I'm Jasper. I'm Max. And I'm Jared. And welcome to The Shape of Slime to Come. This is a bonus episode, kind of in between season two and season three, and um, we just wanted to take a moment and kind of reflect on what we've discovered so far and uh, interesting stuff that has come about our way. And it, it's just a chance to kind of reflect on what we've seen so far and, and a little more off the cuff than our usual episodes and a, a way to kind of see what we think. This actually makes me think of, uh, well, two of us uh, and me as well went to Chapman University. And in between the fall and spring semesters at Chapman, there was what was called the inner term, which was basically all of January. There was this uh, class. You, it was basically a month long class you could take and get some credits knocked out of the way. And it was really it was it was one of the better things Chapman offered, honestly. So this whole episode is kind of like that. Mm -hmm. So, yeah, lots of. Uh partying in the middle of the week and uh you know <laughs> sleeping in yeah. late one class no rules <laughs> sounds just like yeah. a slime house mm. episode <laughs> or sorry sounds just like a slime house movie um yeah i mean we're i i forget how many episodes we're into now i think we're in almost at the, 40 episodes. i think this is our 40th episode which yeah is i think a, this is the 40th one which is a great accomplishment and it's been super fun you know First of all, to preach and teach the world of Slime House, I feel like we've gotten a lot of great people on board who are really big fans of the genre, who a lot of, I wouldn't expect friends, new friends. Um, you know, we've, we've got some really great guests and key players from, from films all over from the entire Slime House spectrum. And uh, most of all, it's been great just chatting with you guys. I think I think it's always a fun thing every week to just, Hop in, hop in the studio, hop in the slime studio, and then chat good cinema with y'all. <laughs> yeah, it's it's very exciting just to see sort of the inside joke that from like years back sort of actually turn into something. It's just been crazy to witness, and it's just been a lot of fun to be able to talk about these movies and teach people about Slimehouse, learn more about Slimehouse, even though I came up with, I mean, I've definitely learned a lot about the genre and sort of redefined and limited and come up with new things eliminated some things so it's been very educational and just been a lot of fun i think it would be fun to start off one thing i always kind of preach about this show and and make sure people understand is this isn't a show where we talk about the quality of the movies we talk about you know we talk what we're here to do is discuss their place within a genre and how they fit into that aesthetic and ethos as i always say so to kick it off actually i think it'd be fun to just do a quick roundabout of some of our favorite episodes what are some of your guys favorite discussions thus far and we can go all the way back to season one because we haven't really done anything like this yet mm -hmm. um so what are some of your guys like most fun episodes you know it doesn't need to be a movie you liked it can just be like man that was a great chat or that was a really eye-opening kind of um watershed show for us and kind of our our study of this genre max do you want to kick us off since you're since you're the, the um yeah i think creator? personally this is a that's a more recent episode i think shrek was a really great episode a lot of fun uh i think we kind of had the benefit of covering a movie that we could assume that the whole audience was kind of familiar with so there wasn't much like refamiliarizing our uh, listeners and sort of giving them like the rundown of what this movie is so we were more to kind of talk about the cultural context of shrek and what it means to like to slime house and just to movies in general because i think that's probably like maybe the biggest movie just as far as like how beloved it is goes um and weirdly it's a movie that i actually strongly dislike but i thought that christmas with the cranks was a very fun episode <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs> <laughs> like because i think that was the first one we covered that like just wasn't really slimy in the slightest <laughs> and also like we all were kind of on the same terms it's just like being a bad movie but it was fun to just kind of like not just tear the movie apart but like talk about in terms of slime house and why it fails both as a movie and fails like as a slime house movie and i just had a lot of fun with that episode <laughs> Every so often, I still like hear Jasper saying, "Like this movie makes me think of like 
a bot watched 500 <laughs> Christmas movies and spat out the screenplay. And I like still laugh at that on a regular basis just because that movie is so like, yeah, it, it captures it so well. <laughs> yeah. I mean, by the end of this, whenever this, this podcast rides into the sunset, I feel like we will be those bots who could just write a slime house. Yes. Um, and then uh, actually, I want to, on the Shrek note, I want to give a shout out. <laughs> we, there is, in fact, I was mistaken. One of our listeners, Rachel Durstein, had never seen the movie Shrek. <laughs> and oh, wow. when, Impressive. We, when we heard that, <laughs> it was shocking news. Uh, I'm still kind of reeling from that, that information. But the good news is that she went out and watched the movie after. So now, officially now, everyone under the age of 40 has seen the movie Shrek. <laughs> Good job, Rachel. Um, Jared, what about you, man? Okay. So I'm going to list off a few that are special to me. Um, the first one I think of is uh, it was, a, it was an episode that we didn't originally plan on doing, but um, it was basically right in between our pumpkin slime and Yuletide slime series in season one we had gotten this interview with Brad Silberling, director of Casper. And uh, in between those these two programs we had planned the, that I mentioned, we decided at the last minute to try and just do this extra episode just for the sake of, it, of Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events. And I think that was the most interesting discussion that we had mm -hmm. in an episode, in my opinion, uh, in, in part because it was just so last minute and if it had an improvisational energy to it and we didn't even give it very high slime scores but we felt like i think I'll, i speak for everybody when i say that that was an episode that um really helped us differentiate what's slime what's slime adjacent what's like you know maybe life slime but not really slime um so i think that was a really great evolution in the show uh, that particular episode um a few other episodes that I uh, cherish are ones where, like, I kind of came in hot with the, either the highest or the lowest slime score. Um, and in particular, <laughs> Snow Day and Big Fat Liar for, like, higher slime scores. And then for lower lowballing, uh, I think I gave a low slime score to Elf first. Mm -hmm. Just, like, there's a little bit of an anxiety when it comes to you being the first person to give a slime score. So um, sometimes, you know, you, you, you aim too high and everyone else doesn't really agree with you. And other times you're like, people think you're on the money. And then that feels pretty good. And then there's episodes like more recently, Shrek and Big Fat Liar, where we like had a discussion after we gave our slime scores. And I, I feel like that's a really great development, like in season two, like just like after the slime score is given, like, what does it mean? Let's make a let's argue how slimy this movie really is. Yeah, I, I echo that. I think that, I mean, especially our Big Fat Liar discussion was really, really fascinating. And the Shrek discussion as well. Our loyal guest, Mike Thompson, brought some amazing points, you know, mm -hmm. about kind of animated movies and can they be slime or are they not slime? And it was it was a very, very thoughtful discussion. And I think a lot of our listeners have reached out and said that was a favorite of theirs as well. Um, but the Lemony Snicket one, I want to just piggyback off that too. I I 100% agree. You know, I that was a movie I, I I'd seen a few times, and rewatching it through this lens was super rewarding, um, and it definitely I think allowed us to kind of start to differentiate like different eras. I think a lot of people listen yeah. to this show and they just think, oh, it's like movies from this time period, but it's like no, 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 no. Like, there's a big difference between Lemony Snicket's A Series of Unfortunate Events and you know, say Goosebumps or say Flubber or something like that. Like it's not just kids movies. It's, you know, there's a, there's a distinct style and tone and aesthetic. Um, so I loved that discussion and it's proven to be a real fan favorite episode. You know, it's one of our top episodes as, you know, it wasn't, and again, it was when we just kind of snuck in, but it's really, you know, that's one that people seem to be returning to. Yeah, it's interesting because I feel like that's one that didn't perform super well in the first week we put it out, if I remember, that just kind of kept growing more than others even since then. So it's so yeah, it's interesting. It's because 
Yeah, I agree. I echo all you all on that one. I think that is a really important one because we just sort of, like you all have already said, it's the first one where we kind of are kind of looking at tropes that like could be slimy, but executed in a non-slimy way and how that yeah. makes the movie not quite slime house. And I think like it's one of the first discussions where we really get into a lot of nuances of like slime house and the slime mm -hmm. house tropes. And I think that made it a really great discussion. Yeah, I well, I'm glad you brought it up early, Jared, because that that was when I was like, well, maybe I'll bring that up, maybe not, because it's not like a funny episode, you know, like Christmas with the Cranks, but <laughs> I think it's a really quality episode and one that certainly was not kind of quintessential slime, but I think we'd all seen we'd all seen it in prep for interviewing Brad Silverling, and so I remember on a pre-episode for maybe Goosebumps or something, we were just talking about it, and we're like, wow, we actually have a lot of interesting stuff to say about it, and so. In some ways, it's a good reminder of like, go with your gut. Sometimes, you know, it's easy. We, we like to plan and, and you have to plan to do these things. But sometimes the stuff comes organically. Um, and all on that segue, uh, I think one of the organic things that came out that's been a real highlight is the slime shuffle. Um, I think love just, a good slime shuffle. Yeah, I think we have I think we in a way have almost more fun with it than anyone, which is. <laughs> How it should be and uh we i think we also landed on a jackpot with airborne our first one just truly a movie i would have never found in my own way and um i think it's it's a great um it's a great era specific movie i don't think it's like quintessential slime house although i did give it a pretty high score but i think it just is so 1993 <laughs> in, and that i think is more interesting in a way because you know i just yeah if you like movie history that's really fun. Yeah, one thing I remember adding Airborne to our to our watch list, and one thing that's been really fun about the show for me is just like really like researching movies that had come out during this era and being like, oh, I'd never heard of this one. The marketing looks kind of slimy. Let's throw it on our watch list. You know, we, let's consider this one. Um, and sometimes you get ones that really aren't you know slimy. Like we, last week. We watched Three O'Clock High, um, which was our most recent Slime Shuffle, which is a great movie on its own right. Um, a great kind of proto slime film from 1987, more on the high school side of things. But, you know, watching it, I don't think any of us thought, oh, yeah, this is a Slime House movie. You know, def definitely some stylistic hallmarks. But, um, yeah, the Slime Shuffle, there's, def there's definitely something just so fun about unearthing, you know, these hidden gems and cult movies that you might have forgotten about um airborne definitely one of my favorites another one nelson's birthday pick shout out to meet the deedles uh, I, <laughs> I hadn't seen that in years and it was a blast uh that was that was a really really fun one yeah so one thing, that one's a, a deedle in the haystack yeah. <laughs> um and that i don't know if we mentioned this in the episode but like that never came out on dvd right I, that's right I, that's it's a questionable uh, yeah, I think I, I, I've been doing some hard research that I there's a I, there are copies out there. So I'm, I think it might have been released in certain territories, but I uh, think the U.S. was not one of them. So it's very interesting, which, which makes sense why it didn't really have a cultural footprint. And that's kind of why I was interested because I like I know I saw this, but like I've never heard anyone even mention it. So, you know, um, yeah, I feel like if I if I had to pick like a first time watch because I've never seen that movie that we've watched on the that i've watched for the podcast that i was really had a lot of fun with it'd be meet the deedles i just think that movie's a blast i really enjoyed it yeah a first time watch for me as well uh that i loved was adventures of shark boy and lava girl oh yeah i mean that it's just so much fun it's so zany it just it feels like it's like it, it literally is straight from the brain of a kid but like you know, something I would have written as a seven-year-old, you know, come to life, which I just absolutely love. And I think if you watch that movie and say, this is bad, like, look at how silly, like, look at how crappy the CGI looks. And like, the story is nonsense, but it's literally, I, to me, really the epitome of kind of this kid empowerment anti-authoritarian bend that we talk about a lot aesthetically it may not be like full slime even though there's a lot of good food splatter and things like that but uh i loved shark boy and lava girl so much yeah i've seen that big, one which was a big surprise yeah i've seen that one a number of times through the years but 
I'd say that's a, a favorite, not even just Slimehouse, but a favorite like family or kids movie of mine is Shark. I like all the Rodriguez kids movies, but have a special place in my heart for Shark Boy. I, I mean, I think of Rodriguez as just like, he's like a slime auteur. And <laughs> I think that that's kind of fun. It's like, yeah. So I'm, um, yeah. I would say my favorite first time watch is still one of our earliest ones, which is House Arrest. Just because one had never seen it, never even heard of it. And similarly, like we just had done a Chris McDonald prep. So we're like, oh, this would be a good episode. And to me, it was, yeah, really fun example of like Slimehouse before before Shrek kind of where like it still was kind of the the counter programming, which I think has been a really good discovery. And I think that was sort of Max's revelation about Shrek. Um, and so from that previous era where it was definitely like the the alternative programming. Um, for me, a favorite movie that I had never seen before. Believe it or not, I actually never seen Max Keeble before doing the show. Yeah. Like it was like the one, like I knew what Slimehouse was and yet I hadn't like been exposed to the, the big <laughs> kahuna of Slimehouse. <laughs> and so that is probably like, that's the movie that made me laugh the hardest of all these. I've actually shown it to friends of mine who live up here in Seattle, um, who like were also maybe a little too old for it when it came out. So, um, and uh, it's between that and also I never, it, this also came out when I was in fourth grade and I didn't catch a lot of these movies when I was in fourth grade because of life circumstances, but Big Fat Liar, also gonna give a shout out to. I've also rewatched that since first watching it to talk about it on the show. Oh yeah. So. Yeah, those are both huge titans, especially Keeble. I, I think Keeble really is, you know, like if you watch one movie and you want to learn slime, I, yep. until further notice, it's Max Keeble. <laughs> what, um, Max, you brought up uh, some tropes when in your discussion. So I'm curious, real quick, trope time. What's everyone's favorite trope they've discovered? I'm happy to start it off because I have okay. one All right. already. I'll go next. Uh, I love the breakfast machine. So that was in our first episode. Uh, Max <laughs> definitely coined that term, but it's one of those things that, you know, right when we brought that up, like there's so many like weird breakfast, like contraptions in all of these kind of kids movies. It just was like, oh my God, there are so many. And I noticed that as a kid. I mean, my sister have joked about that before, but now like, you know, there's, I can, do a scholastic study on the importance of a breakfast machine <laughs> in a film. <laughs> so yeah. shout out, and, shout out to the breakfast machines. And uh, um, makes you all the more excited for venom. Let there be carnage. Ah, yes. <laughs> <Yummy. Venom. laughs> uh, okay. So uh, the one that I kind of threw in there early on that, didn't get much traction at first, but I think over time we started seeing it more and more and more is the wise guy actor who comes from like a, either Tarantino or Scorsese movie background or something gets the role in Slimehouse as like the bad guy. So the most popular example is probably Joe Pesci in Home Alone. But like in our first episode we did on movie Flubber that had uh, the bad warden from Shawshank and then Buffalo Bill from Silence of the Lambs as henchmen. And that's, mm -hmm. I called it out then and there. Yeah, I, I, I'll give you that. I was kind of skeptical of that one. I was like, yeah, whatever. Those actors were just around, you know, but, but you know, I stand corrected and it goes to show you, you always can learn more. <laughs> yeah, and I think what's, what's interesting about Jared's kind of um, observation is that they are often also plain wise guys. And that's part of the bit is like, yeah. oh, there's these tough wise guys, you know, doing kids humor another one that i had just i just watched like paul sorvino is in um c-spot run you know yeah. and it's just funny because he's paul sorvino a notorious gangster actor in a dog movie you know and that's the that's the bit yeah um, i feel like i feel like when you really singled that out jared i'd always had this image of like prestige actors sort of taking these being kind of a trope like actors taking these roles who it's like seems below them or odd to see them or whatever i think like but i think that the wise guy the the specificness the hyper specificity of like it being gangster mobster actors in these movies i never would have noticed and that's one i've always really loved throughout the show too and uh 
Actually, you all took my the top my probably top two tropes out of the breakfast machine. So sorry, mine. That's all right. (laughs) Great tropes, but uh, I'd say my favorite, just off the top of my head, I completely lost it. (laughs) You can go, Nelson. Okay. Yeah. I mean, it's hard. It is hard to think of them off the top of my head. So I, you know, this might come up in future episodes. Oh, I I remember what I was. Oh, go for it. Yeah. Yeah. I think my favorite, even though it's a pretty obvious one, is the bumbling cops that we've seen so much. Perhaps not only because I find it funny that like all of these movies pretty much have dumb cops. I don't think we've seen almost any of these that have a heroic cop, if any. (laughs) And I think also I just like the little phrase we came up with for yeah. a cab all cops <laughs> are bumbling i love that <laughs> is what really it's, stuck it's, that it's one very, for very me. true a favorite, huh? yeah very and that true. brings up uh, a, a pet project <laughs> that has not been done yet but will is uh, on the website slimehousepod.com i want to make a glossary of all these things so we can kind of compile them that way and i think that'll make it even more fun um to yeah have if the name makes sense you know i don't want to just like make a names for the sake of having names but you know if there's a good name and it's, it helps it be remembered. Um, and, you know, I don't know if I have a favorite trope, but I think one of the, the stuff that excites me a lot are the, the ones that are a little more about aesthetic, like that kind of kid's eye view fisheye thing that's really present yeah. and which we will see in our next episode, which is pretty interesting because it's, you wouldn't expect to see it in the movie we're covering. But um, I think it's just, crazy of like there were these aesthetic choices and i think that affirms that how singular this genre was kind of like film noir and how it's very shadowy black and white you know all that stuff i think the the look of it really helps me determine the the slimier movies kind of reaffirm themselves like you watch max keeble and it's like tilt angles galore and just the bright colors all this stuff so it those really stand out to me Definitely. Yeah. I, I think that especially in a, in the last discussion, which I wasn't actually not here for, but um, you guys talked a lot about how three o'clock high had kind of almost like established a lot of these kind of kids eye view, teen eye view in, in the cinematography and that camera work with them by Barry Sonnenfeld, who would then himself go on to do, you know, some some big slime stuff so yeah tracing that aesthetic trajectory i think is is super super fascinating and you know visually but both audio too you know i think the soundtracks too you know we kind of knew you know smash mouth and ska were for sure you know uh key 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 tunes to have but i think it's it's just so fun to like revisit these and you know see like Michael Cimbello, you know, who I had never heard of, even though I knew his song Maniac from, um, what movie is that? It's Flashdance. Flashdance. Um, but he's a slime, you know, he has, he's a slime hit maker. You know, he had songs in the Monster Squad and House Arrest and so and a few other movies we watched. Um, so to just see those recurring cast members, I think is also, or crew members is also very great too. Mm-hmm. Yeah, I think that's something that's been one of the most fun things about this is just sort of recognizing these key players like Dean Cundy or Michael Cimbello that aren't like huge names outside of like very small like cinephile circles and just sort of tracing like it's interesting seeing like particularly Dean Cundy, who is most well known. I I knew him because I've always been a big Carpenter, John Carpenter fan, but seeing his sort of tracing his career through Slimehouse has been very interesting to me and then even noticing like there's been a few people we've looked at like set designers like people non-danny elfman like score people that mostly do like john John debney's scored so many of these things like a lot of composers pop up it's just interesting to see kind of the the slime posse (laughs) that we're working behind the scenes on all this stuff another thing too that while we're on tropes that i think we should bring up and Nelson can elaborate. This is is the food of Slimehouse is is very key, um, and we've seen some really gross gross dishes. Um, but if you guys want to read a little bit more about it, Nelson himself has written a piece for uh, the Pandemic Post. Yeah, uh, Slimehouse is in print these days. So um, if you go to at the Pandemic Post or thepandemicpost.com, uh, you can read an article about Slimehouse food in movies. And um, they came up with this 
zine that's really cool. I, I you know, I wrote the article before I knew what it was going to look like when it was published, but it, it's awesome. And um, a little quick shout out: uh, the purchase, all profits from purchases support Soulfire Farm, which is an Afro-Indigenous-centered community farm in upstate New York, which works to uproot racism and seed sovereignty in the food system. So. Your interest in slime is serving a good cause, if, and uh, check it out. As we um, always say, Slime House is very green in all aspects. <laughs> <laughs> and I, I think that I'm excited about I, that was that article specifically. I had to kind of introduce Slime House to because obviously most people who read it don't <laughs> know Slime House yet. Um, but as we go forward. One thing I'm really excited to do and it is just write more hyper-specific articles about elements so that, you know, not every time we talk about Slime House, we have to reintroduce it. But like on our website, we can talk about stuff like the implementation of ratings and how that, how PG-13 kind of created space for PG movies and like even more specific think pieces that I think will make it really fun for our recurring readers to dive in deeper and um, and help us kind of formulate more information about it. So um, that's something that I'm, I'm keen to do going forward. Yeah, super excited to, to, I mean, we have so many of those kind of articles that we always talk about or these topics that we kind of elaborate on um, and even stuff we haven't covered that we'll just, you know, talk about on the side. Um, yeah, it's interesting. I feel like it's a, it's a good opportunity since our, the way our podcast is sort of formatted is we go movie by movie. It's a good opportunity to like, go deep on a trope or go deep on the genre. And I really like that. And if you guys are list are loyal listeners, if you guys ever have something that you discover on your own that we haven't discussed, please hit us up. If you want to join for an episode, you can pitch us an episode. I haven't, I haven't talked about that with the boys yet, but I hope they're okay with. Oh yeah. That's having that'd somebody be, else. That'd be, pitch an episode. that'd be awesome. <laughs> yeah. I mean, um, yeah, I think that, don't be a stranger. I think it, it it might seem like there's this kind of front with it because of you you know it's not direct, but like we love hearing from listeners. Like I, I just comments where people shout out specific things that we said that are really cool to them affirms that yeah, this isn't just us goofing off and having fun. It's 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 really something uh, educational and you know having a good time. Like when Win Morris. <laughs> called out the breakfast machine in our in our post about venom 2 that was oh a, yeah uh -huh. a very a hot yeah, shout out to well coming up on father's day shout out to my dad <laughs> yeah <laughs> constant for his for his constant listenership to our show yeah i think i've seen some good uh bewilder bomb comments as well so. yes my my parents are big fans of the show um i think all y'all's parents are fans of the show. Jared's yeah. sister has joined. My sister has joined. Um, Actually, I don't think my parents have ever listened to the show, but, um, uh -oh. but I love them nonetheless. <laughs> <laughs> I, I think they've only listened to the one Jenna was on. <laughs> oh, that's funny. Yeah. Hot. Yeah, that, that was a fun really, episode, too. It was a great episode, though. Yeah. It was, that was a yeah. fun episode. Yeah. Um, yeah, I'm looking forward. We, if we ever do the pacifier, looking forward to having my brother on for that one because he's a <laughs> utmost Vin Diesel scholar. Ooh, oh, world's wow. might, oh, have I, to, so, might have to slide it in next season. Yeah, that makes sense, Max. Because I've noticed on Letterboxd you've been watching some, you've been doing some Fast and Furious. Yeah, I've been actually. watching the whole series leading up because actually the Fast Nine comes out on his birthday, so we're going to see oh, it. Yeah. <laughs> That's why they bumped it back a year. <laughs> yeah, honestly, kind of crazy. It landed on his birthday after all these delays and <laughs> release date changes love it um well i have a fun activity if you guys want to want to join in are you guys game oh yes yeah i'm game it, so uh jared actually brought up once that he was that he said something along the lines of there's definitely some scores that i regret so i thought it would be fun if we each pick one movie or two movies that we want to adjust our slime score for slime score redo if you will okay i will go first since i since <laughs> all right jared's been thinking about this, this. Yeah, yeah he's ready he's <laughs> ready to go and i've said this before but like i think i even said it on our last episode of the three o'clock high but 
I am at the point where I just you can't really rate a proto slime movie the same way you would rate a, a prime slime movie. So with that in mind, there's one of the four proto slimes we've covered so far that I actually give it the highest score out of all of us. But knowing now how I would rate a proto slime movie explicitly, it's did this movie predict slime house visually and thematically? Um, I would actually go higher than I initially did on Monster Squad. I gave it a seven, the 1987 movie, The Monster Squad. I would move that to an eight or maybe even a nine because I feel like that is, now that I have a better understanding of what we talk about when we talk about proto-slime, I think that is pretty pure proto-slime. Yeah, I. it's funny that when I was thinking about this myself, I also thought about The Monster Squad um i think that's one early on you know it's a little more vulgar it's a little bit more um less physical in its comedy a little less gross out but it definitely just that like spirit of slime house is yes. so prevalent there um and you know you could, if if that movie was if you placed that in a different era of like like you put that in 1999 i feel like we would see it you know differently um, but I think its era does like immediately put up this wall that it has to break through. Um, yeah, I, I love that picture. Great pick. And do I need, do I do the one where it's like what I would give something lower to? Sure. You can do whatever. These you are, can do whatever I can't really, there's nothing that makes me think like I should have given this a lower score yet. Maybe um, I will say that like having thought about it more, both of the Seuss adaptations I gave tends to, are the two lightest tens I've given tens to mm. in part because they are adaptations. They're not original ideas or screenplays for Slimehouse. They're Slimehouse adaptations, if that makes sense. And I feel like for that reason, they're not as genuine article as made as the Keebles of the world. Well, okay, let me jump in on on 10 specifically, because I think that, you know, I, I got on IMDb when I was young, and, and 10 is the highest rating. And a lot of people are really precious about 10s, you know, like, because it sure. is the highest rating. But I think that within the 10 out of 10 movies, and, I, and I'm speaking just on all types of rating, you know, there's a still a like, I've given well over 100, I think maybe even over 200 10 out of 10 movies on IMDb before out of all the movies I've ever watched, you know, and it's like within that there is a range of movies, you know, and I think sure. that it's okay, even within the highest rating, um, it's okay to have a little bit of a range because I've thought a lot about the Shrek, giving Shrek a 10, which I don't think is the conventional 10 and I don't, it doesn't pass my test of like, this is the quintessential Slimehouse movie, but I think that it's such a juggernaut in terms of like cultural phenomenon. I mean, with all due respect to Max Keeble, they weren't selling Max Keeble Sundays, slimy Sundays at Baskin Robbins, you know? And so it's like the Slimehouse comes in, it, it oozes out in many shapes and forms. And so I think it's okay that the adaptations hit that 10, even if it's a softer 10. Yeah, I, I agree with that. I think that that's super, super valid way of looking at it. Max, how about how about you? Since uh, have there, si as, oh, yeah, for, for, as far as, far as for, for higher scores go, it was a pretty easy pick for me because I think in retrospect, I gave, I would like to apologize to the war with grandpa for giving <laughs> it a, 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 stunningly, a stunningly low score of five amongst three teams. <laughs> looking back, I think... I don't even remember the scenario in which I watched it. I feel like we, I just watched like something really, really slimy. And it was also, I think, the first like 2021 slime I was watching. So I hadn't really gotten into that Neo slime mindset kind of because Neo slime, it does have some differences from slime house and it can be just as slimy, just in different ways. And I just hadn't really gotten into that Neo slime vibe yet. But I think I was watching some clips from with grandpa just earlier to reaffirm my mistake and, yeah, I can definitely say that is, I can't say how high it would be, maybe not a 10. I'll have to rewatch to decide, but definitely much higher than a five because that's a, a very <laughs> slimy movie. And as far as lower goes, um, I know it was our first episode and it's a very slimy movie, but I gave Flubber a nine. And looking back, I still think Flubber is a very slimy movie, but I do think I'd go down a point or two, maybe a seven or eight, just because it's 
now that we've seen so many other slime house movies, it's definitely a very slimy movie, but it is a little more adult. I mean, we talked about it in the episode. There's not any kids in it and we've had other movies without kids, but this doesn't even really have any like kid type characters. The characters are like, educated professors and like it's just <laughs> and like hench and like henchmen and all this stuff and it's just there's like of course the character is slime the humor i'd say is very slimy but just narratively it's not a super slimy movie and i'd say i'd go down to a seven or eight from a nine for that one and that's really the only one i feel like i've given too high of a score i'm pretty i feel like my high scores i'm more confident in than my low ones Actually, it's a dream because I think about Flubber a lot. I, I'm still going to stick with a nine for it, but it's funny because I don't think it's as quintessential of a Slimehouse movie as we thought on the outset. But I still, when people ask what is Slimehouse, I still name drop it just because it's it's a visual point of reference where people instantly get the visual. And so it's kind of funny. Like there are, you know, if people say what's a Slimehouse, I'm not going to be like, oh, meet the Deedles. They'll be like, what the hell is that? <laughs> you know? So I have to go with something that is um, more universal. And I think, and even Flubber is a more universally known movie than Max Keeble even. I think yeah. some people would be like, Max who? <laughs> yeah, I feel like I agree. Flubber's always one I've always kept in my back pocket like for Slimehouse discussions because like the title character is slimes mm -hmm. and it's also a movie that like everyone like not everyone but a lot most people have seen at some point that i know yeah. at least most people around our age so it's like when you tell somebody like what slime house and you say oh do you know flubber the stuff like i feel like it gives an accurate image to mind even if in execution the movie isn't maybe as slimy as the the character in the title would give the impression totally mm. yeah yeah i agree um I, I don't have a ton of score changes, I, you know, and, and I think part of it's like that confirmation bias that like once you have a score, I try to like prove its worth or whatever um, subconsciously. But I'll give two that I want to lower uh, that I wrote down. Um, both were from our 2020 roundup, which I think I it was hard to kind of do those scores almost in a vacuum, which was funny because like we didn't kind of like Max and Grandpa, like we rated those movies without seeing or discussing them with anyone. So I think that um, some of my scores, I think might've been inflated and I want to lower um, they're kind of random, but a babysitter's guide to monster hunting. <laughs> I'm, I'm gonna go with a, I have it at a seven. I'm going to go with a five just cause like, I don't think it's that oh, wow. slimy. And then um, I still love it, but a Christmas Chronicles two. I'm gonna go with an eight <laughs> now, not a nine. I, I think that it just is a a smidge lower than I was just hyped on how like bonkers that movie is. I haven't even seen Christmas Chronicles one. Maybe I'll watch it this Christmas. But um, <laughs> I I was pretty stunned by the Christmas how well Christmas Chronicles two did on the rankings. I'll um, stand by it. I I think that is a very loony movie yeah like, that's it's, almost one like, <laughs> it's almost grinch level it's like yeah it's like a notch down I, from grinch level yeah it's one of those that like that's another one i'd be curious to revisit at some point just because i'm not sure if my slime store would stick or if i was just kind of like giddy off of like because i wasn't really expecting much i don't even think that's one we were planning on watching for the round no. but like yeah i remember i put it on one night like like because i just i was like this could, this could be funny and i like kurt russell and like I was just blown away by how kind of like wild it was compared to my image of it. It's just this kind of like normal Christmas movie. So yeah, yeah. I think that's one that I'll, I definitely would stick with my score, but I'd be curious to rewatch and see if it stands. Yeah. And I'm just going down one notch with that one. I still think yeah. it's a really mm -hmm. slimy movie. I just like, yeah, I think yeah, I was, I feel like that's, it's one of the more visceral reactions I've had to a movie that we've watched just because it really wasn't what I was expecting in the slightest. To preserve its ranking, I will, I give it a three and I will move it up to a four. I compared it to Christmas with the cranks in that episode, but the movie, like I meant to say Haunted Mansion, because that's a movie that also had this slime pedigree to it. In terms of the people who made it and who was in it and also like just the setup of the movie just like lends itself to outrageous hijinks and yet while watching it it felt more like the vibe i got from it was more like a chronicles of narnia type movie than like uh, a grinch to me at least 
Like it felt more like it was trying to be like a fantasy adventure. And I, a lot of the scenes sounded slimy on paper. Like when y'all were describing them, like when the Baja men plays, but like there was also <laughs> stuff in this, there's also stuff in this that like, there was a subplot about like a brain you're getting mortally injured that felt especially like Narnia like, and like almost kind of like out of place with the rest of the movie. So it's Haunted Mansion was another movie we talked about where like, despite everything it had going for it, just, didn't really come together as like a super slimy movie. And that's even though I'm going to get moved up a point, I stand by that. It was my hottest take of that episode. Hey, we have all, we've all got a hot take. Yeah. Mine hot take is Hubie Halloween is a slime house movie, but I agree with that. <laughs> I'm going to keep it in a Maybe we'll watch it. Maybe we'll watch it for this year's spooky school. Yeah, this is a movie I'm a big, I'm a fan of. It's a, it's a nice, it's a fun movie. I'm, I'm just not sure how slimy it is. Like a, a prosecution, you know, a whole like, like set up ready and, you know, civic, whatever. I don't, I don't know my legal jargon very well, but, um, um well, my I have I have a few. I have none that I feel strongly like, oh, I should bump that up, but there's definitely a few that I've thought of over time that are, you know, a little bit more of blueprints of what was to come. Um, kind of like what Jared was saying about Monster Squad, one of which being the Monster Squad. Um, and we already talked about that, so I won't go too much into that. Um, another one is Casper. Um, I was the low scorer, I think, on that episode. I gave it a six. Um, I think I was kind of focusing a lot on it's kind of like gothic romantic kind of atmosphere. It has this magical, um, kind of as Max has deemed it now gunge house kind of feel, but in hindsight, you know, it is actually, I think it, I think it does feel like a lot of the more like golden age slime stuff, um, in just a lot of its humor. So if I, if I could, I, I would maybe bump that from a six to a seven. Um, and then another one that I was actually, I think the high score for um, that I might actually consider bumping up higher if, if we, if we could is we can be heroes. I think in our discussion, we kind of deemed it as almost like too young to be a slime house movie, but I think aesthetically, the brightness of that movie, just the kind of cartoony nature of it. It almost has this kind of video game sensibility to it too. That just feels so built for, you know, sure. kids. It also that, you know, it's just so again, like empowerment and anti-authoritarian. And I, if I were to watch that again, I could maybe bump it up higher than that. Yeah, We Can Be Heroes is one I could see myself bumping up to that I was thinking about bumping up one or two higher in this discussion because I think watching it like in tandem with Shark Boy and Lava Girl, it made it seem really tame compared to that yeah. movie because that movie's so out of control. But I mean, in the scheme of like family movies in 2021 and even Neo Slime in 2021, it is definitely like on those standards very slimy much slimier than a lot of current slime neo slime and i do think that's one i could bump up if i wasn't just comparing it so much to shark boy and lava girl in my head which i think is a much slimier movie that is still a textbook seven for me and i will not go higher because i think it is too like sunday morning cartoons or saturday morning cartoons but it is a 10 out of 10 on the nice core scale. Nice core. <laughs> when we get into the Paddington movies, I think we'll be revisiting nice core. But uh, we started another podcast just for nice core. Yeah. At some point, another sort of bonus episode we might do is like other sub genres that we've stumbled across. Um, another favorite one we found was Roper Core. <laughs> yeah, I really love that one. It's very oh, we gotta we gotta hit up the, the creator of that list. Yeah. Very nice. Well, there you go. More podcasts yeah. in the in the network yep. that uh, we're starting. <laughs> Stay tuned. If you if you want to co-host on any of those, hit up Jared Anderson. <laughs> oh my god. Yeah. Um, Pressure's on. <laughs> okay. So something I've been kind of saving for a little while that uh, I've been kind of interested in is we unfortunately we don't have a ton of metrics behind our listenership and, and you know, we don't want to bore anyone to death with the little that we have, but we can see what countries people are listening from. And no surprise, majority of our listeners are American United States. 
uh, since, you know, that's where we're all from. But I want to give a shout out to the listeners in our other countries. So if you guys will humor me for a moment, I'd like to to rattle off some countries where our listeners have come from. Um, hearing no objections. <laughs> no. Um, oh, so, uh, okay. so I'm going to go in reverse order of uh, least listeners to most listeners, um, the U.S. being number one. So don't worry about that. But I'll see if I can do it in one breath, if that's okay. Um, okay, ready and... South Africa, Cyprus, Nigeria, Dominican Republic, Nepal, Japan, Uganda, Macedonia, Sierra Leone, Turkey, Croatia, Isle of Man, Hungary, El Salvador, Singapore, Saudi Arabia, Italy, Denmark, Thailand, UAE, Belgium, Norway, Colombia, Kenya, Ghana, Malta, Netherlands, Malaysia, Hong Kong, J Jamaica, India, New Zealand, South Korea, Germany, Ireland, Spain, Philippines, Russia, UK, Brazil, Canada, Australia. It's a lot of... That we've almost yeah. covered the entire around the world. Yeah, thank you to all wow. of our we should do around the world in 80 oh, days to celebrate once we hit every country. <laughs> so <laughs> it's just the beginning. <laughs> so if you're tuning like... in from one of those countries, I am more curious than anything. Where did you find us? You know, so please let us know if you heard that. That is my uh beacon out into the ether and uh and again, shout out to our listeners in many states as well. Um, we are, we have our, I won't rattle off all the states we have, but we have listeners in 43 states. So um, pretty cool. Almost to 50 there. And the remaining seven states we need to conquer include Alaska, Maine, Mississippi, Nebraska, New Hampshire, Rhode Island, and North Dakota. I thought our Snow Dogs episode would get some Alaskan uh -huh. viewers, but uh, <laughs> guess not. not yeah, but you think the Monster Squad gets some Maine listeners, all the Stephen King love in that one. He thinks <laughs> that's true. And, you know, Hocus Pocus with that New England charm, even though that's in Massachusetts. But Yeah, but Maine, Maine vibes. Yeah. <laughs> <So>. <laughs> all that being said we want we like hearing from our listeners we like knowing about you and what you think of slime house so um one more you know shameless plug give us a give us a ring on social or whatever and and with that you guys that kind of wraps up season two of slime house um we got uh, a full fun schedule coming up for the next season we're, we're plotting it out so if you guys have a movie you guys want us to cover, hit us up. Uh, we're, we're, we're all ears, um, but there's lots to cover. So, you know, we're, there's almost too much to cover. Um, but it's always a fun time. Looking forward to, to really diving in more and, and, and honing in the, the definition of, of the genre. Um, Max, I, since, again, since you were the creator, what, how, in just closing uh, statements, how has your definition of Slimehouse changed, if if at all, um, over the course of the last two seasons? The main way the definition of Slimehouse has changed for me is that there really is a, a definition because it's always been such like an image in my that like anytime I've needed to describe Slimehouse or talk about it with people, it's kind of just come down to like, oh, you've seen Max Keeble, you've seen Flubber that slime house and like that's kind of been how i describe it so coming up with like a more concrete what slime house is come up with these tropes such as like especially like i think like the anti-authoritarian slant a lot of the characters a lot of the the diy gadgetry and all that coming up with just some actual tropes and like things that make something slime house instead of just like here's this movie this is slime house like the fact that we've been able to turn it into like a working genre definition instead of just something that you kind of like know when you see it, mm -hmm. I think it's been really big. Cause like it's something I feel like I've always like had an idea in my head what it is, but never really been able to talk it out. And I think we've come up with a lot of interesting things for what makes slime house through here. So yeah, the way my definition has changed, it's just pretty much really honing in on what it actually is and what makes slime house. I love that. I think yeah. that's great. You responded to my tweet about Spy Kids 4 to get you a 
in on the show, Max. <laughs> was that really how it, what was the tweet? Oh, you don't remember? Uh, yeah, I don't remember. Uh, we have all the time in the so, world to remember it. I, that's basically <laughs> what the tweet was. Um, he, I found your, I remember finding your Twitter through your letterbox mm-hmm. profile. Oh, and yeah. I, just, I reached out and, and said something like, at, I won't give your Twitter handle. Do you care if I give your Twitter? No, I don't care. You can give it. You know, at at Chris Gaines Real or Real Chris Gaines. Like, do you have a moment to talk about Slimehouse? And then your reply was, "Oh, I have all the time in the world." And so my response was, "A Spy Kids four fan, love it." Yeah, I remember that now. So that's where it all began, just with a little, a little Spy Kids Ford name drop. Uh, actually, went, actually, a movie I haven't seen. So, same. We, I've not seen it either. We won't. I have not seen it either. Although, uh, shout out old my old roommate, our old roommate Ryan Rojas uh, was quoted. He he was a critic at the time, and he was quoted from that movie saying, "Jessica Alba packs a punch and also can pack a lunch." <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that. Yeah, it's a good and then quote. The, the, studio, the studio reached out and they're like, can we workshop it a little bit? And they had him like tweak it to make it a little more like short and snappy, which is hilarious. Yeah. They, they asked to do that. So very yeah. funny. So, yeah. and with that, you guys, uh, we'll see you next season, um, which will probably be next week. So, with that, uh, stay slimy, y'all. Yeah, stay slimy. Stay slimy. Slimehouse, a podcast created by Jared Anderson, Jasper Birnbaum, Max Morris, and H. Nelson Tracy. Visit us on the web at slimehousepod.com. Our website is created by Brian Hume of Valencia Creative Co. Theme music composed by Greta Russell. If you like what you hear, support this podcast at anchor.fm slash slimehousepod or by following us on social media at slimehousepod.